Welcome to the Campus Christian Fellowship Podcast for the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa. Welcome to Extra Bits, a special episode of the CCF Podcast. What I'm going to do during extra bits times is give additional information that we weren't able to get to during the Tuesday night message. And this episode, we're going to cover the author of 1 Corinthians, Paul. Now, what I want to do is talk a lot about uh, Paul from more the beginning of his life until his uh, transformation and, and becoming a Christian. So we're going to go all the way back to when Saul, Paul was born, and he was known as Saul, Saul of Tarsus of Tarsus would refer to Saul's birthplace, the city that he grew up in. And Tarsus is a city that's located in modern-day Turkey. In ancient times, Tarsus was a significant city, a pretty big population, very busy, and very pagan. As such, young Saul would have had a lot of interaction with a lot of different cultures and religious beliefs and just a lot of different types of people. Now this prepares him very well for what becomes his eventual ministry, but we're not quite there yet. So I want to talk a little bit about what it meant for um, Saul to have a Jewish background growing up. Now there's a tendency sometimes to take ancient peoples and devalue them. That There wasn't as much literacy in ancient times, there weren't as many people that knew how to read and write. And so we tend to think that the average person didn't know very much. Um, That may be true for the common average ancient person, but it's less and less true when you look at the Jewish people. They were known for having a very rigorous education system during the Second Temple period of Israel's history, which is the period that Paul lived during. And they would have all of their, pretty much all of their people, well, all their male people would study and analyze and memorize scripture. And the goal was to have the entirety of scripture memorized by the time that you were 10 or 12. So likely Saul would have been very steeped in Jewish scriptures. He would have known the word. And because of this, he develops uh, what he refers to as a zeal, a passion for God's word, for the scriptures, and for what it teaches. Now, zeal is something that can often be misunderstood, especially religious zeal, and especially when that religious zeal turns violent. Saul was one who persecuted Christians. He's present at the stoning of Stephen, the very first Christian martyr. And when he undergoes his transformation and becoming a Christian, he's actually on the road to Damascus with letters and ways to uh, punish Christians, to find Christians, to persecute them, to have them killed for being Christian. But let's get back to that religious zeal. What does it mean to have that religious zeal? There's a lot of examples actually in scripture of well-known and well-respected and honored and revered biblical characters that were known for their zeal. Elijah is one of them. There's a guy named um, Phinehas in 
the Exodus uh, story where um, there's all the people that are sinning against God and, and Phinehas uh, actually sees a Hebrew man and a foreign woman headed to the tent um, to sleep together and Phinehas follows them with a spear and plunges it through both of them and at that point in time it says that God's wrath was um, subsides because it was satisfied and so there's all of these people who are known for even enacting religious violence and and having that zeal um, that is that is actually in many ways lifted up in scripture it's passed down that having that kind of zeal that kind of passion for God's word God's will God's way is something to be revered is something to be honored is something to be carried on and there's definitely that tradition within Judaism where so Saul is really just following this tradition in Judaism a tradition of zeal so let's try to dig into some of the motivations for that zeal that Saul has for God's word. So there's always a sense within Judaism that the Jews are a special people. And it's laid out. God says that they are his called people, that they are to be his priests uh, to the nations. And so there's a desire to be set apart and to maintain those differences. What sets Israel apart? Some of that's the kosher law. Some of that is their their moral code and those kind of things um, because they don't want to become like the nations because whenever Israel in scriptures and its history becomes like the nations, bad things happen to Israel. There are plagues or there's another nation that comes and invades them or they're carried off in the exile, which is kind of the big red flag for Israel. We don't ever want this to happen again. We don't ever want to be exiled again. And so we, as a people, need to remain set apart. We need to be special. And if there is any kind of evil within Israel, that needs to be purged. If there's anything that looks like it's not of God, we need to get rid of it. And some of them would even get to the point of zealous violence against those that they thought were corrupting Israel. So when Christianity comes onto the scene, many Israelites see that as, a, as corrupting Judaism, as corrupting Israel, and it's something that they needed to purge from their people. And so Saul is one of those, that he sees Christianity and he sees that this is the reason that we've been exiled in the past. It's because people are corrupting God's word and they're saying all of these things that we don't agree with. And so we need to cut that out. And so he decides to take it upon himself, uh, as well as a band of followers, to cut out the, the scourge of Israel, the scourge that is Christianity. So that's a little bit of justification for Saul's zeal, at least getting an idea of what his mindset was and, and why he persecuted Christians. Uh, it wasn't because he didn't care about the people. It's because he cared so much about God's word and God's will. But there's something else about God's will, God's word that's pretty significant because there's parts of the prophets and parts of Psalms that seem to say conflicting things about other nations, about what God is going to do with those who are not part of the chosen people of Israel. Because at different times it talks about how they will be, they will be cursed and they will be uh, condemned and, and on the day of judgment that, that they will be cast aside. But there are other places that say that God will extend his mercy to the nations and that the point of Israel is to be priests that speak to the other nations and point those nations to God so that God can extend his mercy to them as well. And so I think Saul 
struggled with those passages. I think probably um, Jews to this day still struggle with those passages saying, what is God trying to do? What is God going to do with the other nations? There's conflict there. And so it's possible that Saul is, this is one of the questions that's plaguing him while he's going on his road to Damascus. Uh, as, as a Jew during this time, there's likely a lot of uh, practices that Saul would have uh, undergone, uh, practices of prayer, of meditation on scripture, so that as he's traveling along this road, it's a long journey, you have to walk everywhere in ancient times. Um, Paul, Saul, at this point he's generally known as Saul, Saul is traveling along and maybe he's praying and thinking about God and thinking about different things. And that's when this vision of Jesus appeared in the midst of him, likely thinking about who God is and what it means for God to be on his throne. Or uh, as his eyes are raised up to the heavens, there's this bright light that occurs and Jesus shows up and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you t- attacking my people who I have called by my name to do my will? And Saul's world is flipped upside down. He starts to put some pieces together maybe. And, and it's actually after this point that of his transformation, of him becoming a Christian, of him from this point on, we'll refer to him as Paul, uh, of him being Paul, that things start to change. Um, but interestingly enough, there's a bit, a little bit more time between Paul becoming a Christian and Paul becoming a missionary. There's actually about a 10-year gap, a hibernation period, a period of learning where I think Paul was putting together what does it mean to be a Jesus follower? How do all these scriptures that I've been learning and studying and meditating and memorizing that have become a core part of who I am, What do they say about this Jesus character and how does this all fit together? And he starts to put together that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Jewish Messiah, that he is the Christ. And so Paul, as a loyal Jew, finds the Jewish Messiah. And because he has found the Messiah, he does the only thing that a loyal Jew should do upon finding the Messiah, and that is to follow him. And so Paul comes to that only logical conclusion of being a Christ follower, all from that incident on the road to Damascus where he met Jesus. He had a vision, an experience with Christ that showed him that he was the true Messiah. And then also a 10-year period of studying and hibernation and trying to figure out what all of that meant, which refined, I think, his teaching and the style and the fervor and the zeal that he had for the nations. Zeal that instead of being um, a violent zeal is a compassionate, loving zeal and is the primary motivator for why he continues to write his letters, why he continues to form churches and preach to peoples. And this is Paul's new motivator, that of love, the love of Christ. Paul's experience in the Damascus Road is actually one that's found other, elsewhere in scriptures. It's, it's kind of the experience of the call of the prophets. Prophets like Isaiah, prophets like Ezekiel, prophets like Daniel, who have these visions of God where God explains to them, hey, this is who you are, this is what you're meant to do, this is what you're supposed to, to, to be. And, and give them a call and a purpose. And, and so Paul experiences that on the road to Damascus, meets Jesus, gets that purpose, gets that reason for being 
for loving, for doing as Christ would have him to do. And, and so Paul takes all of this knowledge of the scriptures, of Judaism, of proper religious practice, and he falls it towards serving Christ and living the Christ life. And so we often will just view Paul from, uh, from a Western Christian viewpoint and forget that he is Eastern and Jewish, and that's the world that he grew up in and that was he was a part of. And, and so the Jewish world is not this black, dark background that we were rescued out of by Christ, but it's the rich history and the strong foundation on which Christianity can stand. And so as we continue through our study of 1 Corinthians, I, I hope we can um, peel back, as I said on Tuesday night, um, a lot more of the Jewish aspects of Paul and what he's trying to communicate through his Judaism, through Christ being a fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures and what that means for our study and for our lives and what it mean, meant to the Corinthian church that he was speaking to, which is a combination Jewish and Greek church. And so that's just kind of some of the interesting things that Paul could speak to because of his background, because of being a multicultural, uh, growing up in a multicultural world in a city like Tarsus, that Paul is able to be one who preaches to multicultural churches and and can have that universal truth that spans across all cultures and, and that he communicates through his letters. Um, so as we look through 1 Corinthians, I think we're going to uh, learn a lot more about Paul, about what he says. And I want to go back to uh, one little thing that I kind of previewed. It's more of a theory. So a lot of what I said so far is like historical fact, things that we can verify through scripture and through some other sources and just general like geography and other stuff like that. Uh, this is a theory. This is an idea, uh, but it's just kind of an intri- intriguing thing that happens and maybe connects really cool in Scripture. So when Paul first comes into the city of Corinth, this is found in Acts chapter 18, uh, he begins preaching in the synagogue. That's kind of the standard thing that Paul does. He's used to preaching in synagogues. He's used to speaking there. He grew up going to synagogues. Um, so he knows all about the synagogue lifestyle and what you should be doing there. But as he's preaching there, he starts talking about Jesus. And this riles up some of the people, and they don't like the fact that he's preaching Jesus. And there's a ruler of the synagogues named Sosthenes who starts a protest against Paul. And the protest um, turns violent. Um, it's just not necessarily in the way you expect. Because while these protesters are wanting to violently beat up Paul, Paul starts saying, well, wait a second. Like, let's debate about this. Let's talk about this. Let's bring in the city officials. Let's, And he makes it, in many ways, a bigger deal than it was before and gets the whole city government and the elders and all the important people talking about who he is and what he's doing and, and these things that he's speaking of. And, and then he ends up pointing out that he's a Roman citizen. And so they can't just beat him and persecute him because you can't do that to a Roman citizen. And so the crowd gets so upset that this didn't go the way that they were expecting it to that they turn their wrath and their anger on Sosthenes. And they beat him up instead. And so this violent protest ends up turning against the synagogue ruler. So that is one of the things that we know from Scripture. I just found in Acts 18. Another thing that we know from Scripture is that in the address to 1 Corinthians, there's two authors that are identified, Paul and Sosthenes. Now, multiple people can have the same name. My name is John, and I'm not the only person in this area with that name. There can be multiple people with the name of Sosthenes with ties to Corinth at this time. But this again is just a theory. What if the Sosthenes of Acts 18 is also the Sosthenes who co-authored 1 Corinthians? 
Now let me explain how maybe this works, because I think we can speak a lot from Paul's character and the things that we've seen and known about him that could very well make this theory true. So Sosthenes is beaten up by a crowd. Um, he's probably either taken home to, to rest and to nurse his wounds, or he's even taken to a hospital. They still had, they had those back then. Uh, the Greeks were kind of the first ones to start hospitals. Um, so while he's laying up and while he's recovering from his injuries by a crowd that's beaten him, it's possible that he has an unexpected visitor, that of the man known as Paul. Uh, I, I think it's very likely that Paul has compassion for his enemies and his opponents. He speaks about that through his letters. Sometimes he's pretty angry at his opponents, and he uses some pretty forceful language. But he seems to always have compassion and have a desire for everyone to turn to Christ. So what if Paul, in his compassion with his love, decides to visit the Sosthenes in the hospital or at his home where he's recovering, wherever it may be? And while he's visiting him, he pours out love on him and says, hey, I I'm, I know where you've been. I was passionate for God's word too, and I took it out on Christians. And, and I, I walked the same path that you're walking right now. And he explains to Sosthenes his own life's journey. And maybe through that, Sosthenes comes to see Christ, comes to know him. And that's so eventually when Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians, he references uh, a man that they would know, a man that was... Um, well regarded in the Corinthian church to the point that he became a synagogue ruler and and maybe was continued to be well regarded as he transformed his life and became a Christian. Like I said, that's all speculation, but I could see that being kind of the cool thing that, that God does and takes these people like he took Paul that were opponents of God's word and making them into champions, authors of New Testament letters, um, witnesses to who Christ is and that, how Christ transforms lives. So that's a theory about Sosthenes, but, but I, I, I like to think it's true because I know God works that way. And, and I think from Paul's writings and, and Paul's actions, that's really something that Paul maybe would have done with one of his opponents. Make an opponent a friend, a fellow worker in the kingdom. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for checking out this Extra Bits over Paul. If you have questions on what you heard, then you can feel free to reach out to us at ccf.uiowa at gmail.com, and we will make sure that we get back to you. If you're a student in the area of going to Iowa University of Iowa, Iowa State, or University of Northern Iowa, we would love to link up with you. If you could send us an email at ccf.uiowa at gmail.com, we would love to to get you connected to one of those campuses. If you are not a student and you're just listening, thanks for checking us out. Uh, and you can still feel free to reach out to us. We would love to tell you other ways that we are reaching out to college students, other ways that we are ministering to the students here on campus. So uh, thank you so much for, uh, for checking us out, and we'll talk to you again sometime soon.